Hi, I'm Alex Bellinger, and this is Small Biz Pod on Thursday, the 6th of July. Coming up on today's show, we've got a great interview from Small Biz Pod's one and only roving reporter, that's Carl Barton, who interviews a young, new coffee baron. We have some audio feedback. Incredible, my pleas in the last show must have uh, prompted someone to get their microphone out. Uh, I highlight uh, the National Business Awards, uh, which are closing dates coming up. So if you're in the UK, you might want to take a look at the the National Business Awards, sponsored by Orange. Um, Well worth checking out some interesting categories, and it is one of the major awards in the UK for entrepreneurs and companies of all sizes. So we look at that a little. And cover off the usual round of listener comments, feedback and frapper map action. Okay, so one or two people have said to me, oh, well, couldn't you split the comments across the, the main part of the show? Um, sometimes it's a bit bit long having all the comments in the first section before the, the main interview begins. So I'm gonna, I do tend to switch it and chop it around and switch it around a bit. So we're going to start off with just a, a brief thank you to all those who have, uh, since the last show, which was only a week ago, uh, bear in mind, um, I have produced... A show within the week, which is pretty impressive for me, so I hope you all appreciate that. But uh, a big thanks to um, Richard Williams in Birmingham, uh, who signed up to the Frapper Map. Uh, Juliet Prowse, who uh, sent in a comment for last week's show. Juliet, you'll remember, is uh, working in the oil industry, and she uh, pins herself on the map in Gabon. So she's obviously not on her Canadian break at the moment, but... um, Good to see you there, Juliet. Um, Marston Alfred, who is based in the Netherlands, in Holland, I think originally from San Diego. Uh, you'll remember he actually won Small Biz Pod's one and only competition way back when we gave away some books by uh, the CEO of Right Now Technologies, who wrote uh, an excellent book on bootstrapping your business. Um, Xavier from the from Paris uh, signs in, which is cool. Carlos Vidal from Lima in Peru, I think the first Peruvian listener to uh, make themselves known. And Mike O'Hara, who uh, actually lives just down the road from me in Tunbridge, and I know has a podcast as well. Uh, So uh, thanks for signing up, Mike. And finally, to an audio comment from Fraser Edwards. My plea for audio comments hasn't gone unnoticed, and I hope it inspires, this one inspires one or two others of you to either... Uh, record something as an mp3 player or to leave a a voicemail on my skype voicemail or uh, the telephone voicemail so we can uh, record your thoughts on the show um this one's from fraser edwards so really many thanks fraser for making the effort to, to to fire this across to me by email um let's hear what fraser has to say Hi Alex, my name is Fraser Edwards and just finished listening to your last podcast. I just wanted to let you know that I really enjoyed it. I first noticed you on the Shell Startup Forums um, quite a while back, but I'm amazed to see you've done uh, almost 30 podcasts now. Yesterday I stumbled across Podcast User Magazine, which has been excellent and I've enjoyed the, the articles you've written in there as well. I've just recently started podcasting just in a couple of podcasts at uh, affiliateblog.co.uk about the business that I work in doing affiliate marketing Um, but I think I've still got a long way to go to to catch up with the quality of your shows so uh, keep up the good work okay cheers 
Thanks a lot, Fraser, for that. It's it's really great to hear people's voices, I think. I think that's quite cool as well. We've got the Frapper map so we can see who all those beautiful people who listen to Small Biz Pod are. And it's really nice to hear uh, listeners commenting in uh, in audio too. So many thanks for that, Fraser. I'll certainly uh, check out your podcast and, and let you know what I think of it. Um, and... Uh, Good that you mentioned Podcast User Magazine. For all of those of you who are interested in podcasting, both as listeners and potential producers, Podcast User Magazine is a really, really excellent resource. It's free, it's a PDF, in PDF format, you can just download it, and it's the UK and some other podcasters from around the world writing on what makes uh, you know, podcasting such a wonderful scene and giving you lots of really practical advice on how to produce, listen, find, support podcasters and podcasting. So uh, thanks for the reminder, Fraser, about Podcast User and Magazine, which I haven't written for in a little while, actually, because of uh, uh, lots of other things on, but I hope to in, again in the future. Okay, now on to the inimitable Small Biz Pod roving reporter, Carl Barton, who interviews uh, Steve Layton from Has Been, uh, who is a, a coffee entrepreneur. And this is where I just put my feet on the desk and uh, grab a coffee myself. So uh, over to you, Carl. Hello to you all. It's me, the roving reporter again, Carl. Now, Alex sometimes asks me to do strange things in the line of small biz pod duty. He recently asked me a question. How do business people get motivated in the morning? See if you can find me the common answer, Carl. I went round a few companies and found the only link that gets all companies moving in the morning is in fact coffee. I wondered if there's more to the coffee you get in the vending machine, that's of course if you're staff, or out of the local trendy cafe if you're the boss. One of the company directors I asked, mentioning no names here, had his coffee delivered to him at the office, freshly roasted, ready for the percolator. He ordered it on the internet, a coffee connoisseur no less. The invoice said www.hasbeen.co.uk. He'd signed for the order, then continued to talk to me about his business. I asked him more about the coffee. He turned to me and said, Steve, he is Mr. Coffee. He travels the world, giving better deals and fair trade. Going to his website's like an episode of Wish You Were Here. I'm trying to try every blend, but every time I, I try a new one, he, he makes some new coffee. I, I, I struggle to keep up. Give him a call if you want to find out about how coffee is such a big business. Well, in the car I went, and now two hours later... Yeah, can you guess where I am? Yes, in a massive coffee roasting house with Steve, the owner of hasbeen.co.uk. So, Steve, welcome to Small Biz Pod. How and why did you start the business? What was the inspiration? It's a really weird question because I can't give you the exact answer why I ended up in coffee. I've always enjoyed coffee. I've always been very passionate about it. And just kind of got a little bit fed up of people weren't feeling the niche that I wanted. They were trying to drive home messages and they were trying to sell me coffee that just didn't taste as good as I believed it could. So we set up with a little roaster and ended up setting up has been. Really just to offer something a little bit different to the market. The inspiration for me was I was seeing people doing well in coffee. You know, people were succeeding but weren't particularly passionate about it. They were selling something that wasn't important to them. Whereas for me coffee is you know, it's pretty much my life now. So for me, I thought, well, if you're passionate about something, you become more successful. It's about having the drive to take it forward. And not just anybody can sell. Oh, you can go and sell coffee. But would you sell it well? 
Probably not, because you don't know a lot about it, you're not very passionate about it. You know, I can give you a list of things to say, but does that mean you're going to sell it? Well, I think you really need to be kind of passionate about what you do. You roast on the premises, so how do you sell the products with a better deal for the farmers? And where did you learn to roast in the first place? Pretty unique coffee business is that we actually sell direct to consumers over the internet and it's our primary focus it's our number one sales channel that's where we sell coffee yes we have other outlets and we have trade orders and things but we sell direct to the consumer we buy direct from farmers we sell direct to consumers so the only people that are kind of taking money along there are the people that are actually producing the coffee the producers are producing it and i'm roasting it I'm pretty much self-taught in the roasting department which is not uncommon um, you can't go to roasting school, unfortunately. I've burnt a lot of coffee. I've thrown away a lot of coffee. But, you know, pretty much now I think we're pretty good at what we do. The UK barista champion this year, and a barista is somebody who makes coffee in a coffee shop. But it goes to a different level when you have the UK barista. Well, the UK barista this year used our blend, used our coffee exclusively. We made a blend for him. We worked together and we developed something that was um, that won a, the UK championship. And he's now going to Switzerland in a few weeks' time as the UK representative in the world championships, again using our coffee. So although I'm self-taught, I feel I've kind of got to a place now where you know we're pretty good at what we do. What's the difference then between your company and the fair trade range of products? Yeah, I mean, we work very closely with our import partners and, and our import partners are based in London. And what they do is they go directly to Origin and find coffee. They're called the coffee hunters. And what they do, they actually set up relationships with farmers to buy their coffee. There are also times where we actually go direct to farmers too and we buy their coffee. And our import partners then do all of the logistics of bringing that across. We only buy on taste. We won't buy because it's got a label attached to it, such as fair trade or organic. Or if it happens to be organic and it tastes good, then that's great. You know, that's a bonus. But we'll only buy coffee on on its taste, and we'll stand by that our coffee. We think we've got some of the best coffees in the world, let alone the UK. Last year, we bought the number one winning coffee from El Salvador. The fair trade price at the minute is one dollar twenty-six a pound. And that's to the farmer. We paid $16.30 a pound for this coffee from El Salvador. So that just tells you what's fair is that we're rewarding the farmer for good coffee. We're not giving them charity. We're not feeling sorry for them. We know that in the marketplace that this coffee can fetch this price with the consumer because it's good, not because it's a charity thing. We don't spend millions and millions of pounds on marketing as the fair trade organisation do. You know, we actually go out there and... and you know, we set, let the coffee do the marketing for us. We don't need to have a fancy logo and fancy offices in London because the coffee's good and people will come and find that coffee. What were the main challenges you faced in setting up the company? I mean, with the sheer logistics of customs and the weight of postage, not only to the consumer, but getting the actual raw coffee here to the roasting house, there must have been, excuse the pun, expensive costs. We've got some good deals with courier firms for, for the postage part of it, so actually shipping out isn't a major issue. Importing into the UK, we couldn't do that on our own. And when we first set up, we were buying tiny, tiny amounts. And that's why it's so important. I could just say that we've got an importer, but he's not. You know, this guy's our import partner. We work together. We go and find these coffees together. He went out to Brazil in November last year. He went out and found me a coffee that only we're selling in the world as a cup of excellence coffee. I went out to Bolivia a few weeks before that, and I found a coffee that we both sold you know, so we kind of work in tandem and we work together. They've got the logistical 
kind of power of filling a container full of coffee. And we never have that because we don't buy those kind of amounts yet. But with sharing a container with this company, all of a sudden our costs are halved. They know what they're doing when it comes to importing. I'm a coffee roaster, you know, and I, I sell coffee, and they're importers, and they do the importing for me. So I think it's about kind of having the right skill set. Our import partners are good at what they do. We're good at selling coffee. They wouldn't know the first way to sell coffee to the end consumer. So, you know, it's just about working on your strengths. Who is your ideal customer then? Coffee connoisseurs? For our customers, they've just got to have one attribute, and that is that they care about their coffee. They're passionate about it, and they want to taste good things. Now, whether that's Mrs. Bloggs, who's 83 and lives in Scotland, or whether that's a head chef of a top London restaurant, we don't care. You know, we're quite happy to sell just to people who want to taste and experience. We're trying to tell people that coffee's no different to wine. In fact, it has many many more characteristics than wine can ever have uh, there are seven over 700 components that make up the taste and, and aromas within coffee and it's one of the most complex food groups that are out there so what we're trying to do is educate people in that it doesn't have to be that spoon of instant into the mug it can be a, a whole experience where you know you sit down and you actually enjoy it and savor it and it's not just slurping down because it gives you some caffeine in the morning do you have collectors of coffee, or you know, like wine boffins keep wine for years, where you're saying that coffee is better the fresher it is? So, I mean, what's the big attraction to coffee for people? It's the uniqueness of the tastes within what that origin has actually produced that can make a coffee more expensive. But then if you look at a bottle of wine, you can pay tens of thousands of pounds for a bottle of wine. The most expensive coffee ever sold was in a recent auction just about a month ago, which was $50 a pound. When if you actually work out per cup, that's around about a pound a cup produced actually you know in this country if it was sold it would it would cost you 50 pence a pound a cup so when you kind of put it with wine and how how expensive wine can be compared to to coffee it's much more better value but you're quite right i mean the freshness is, is key in coffee coffee will remain fresh as a green bean for 18 months but once coffee's roasted within two weeks those flavors are going you know those unique characteristics that made up that coffee has then gone so what we do by having our our own roasting machines actually here is we we roast to order. So anything that goes out on the day, we'll have a date on it on the bag saying when it was made, when it was roasted, and that will be on the day of dispatch. So everything is put kind of round to that freshness. It's like bread. You can go and buy supermarket bread that's a week old, yeah. But there's nothing like going to the bakers and having that freshly baked loaf that's baked by somebody who knows what they're doing and they've got a skill. How did you find setting the online business side of things up? Would you have been better in a shop or a chain of cafes? How exactly did you do it? I think if you open a shop, your shop's there. People can't miss it, yeah? People walk past this in the street and they see that your shop's there. Online, it's a big place, you know? And getting somebody to come and walk past your shop is pretty tough going. But what I think what we managed to do was we got ourselves involved in the community. Out there, there's a big coffee community of people posting on forums, you know, people on emailing lists. And what we did, we actually got ourselves involved in that and just said to people, you know, hey, we don't want to sell you something. We want to tell you something. We want to tell you about our coffee. We want to tell you about why, the way we do business. is just a little bit different. You know, we look after the little guy. And um, that kind of gave us an awful lot of respect and kudos out there in the, the online community. And that was partially because, one, I wanted to do that, but also because I've been involved in those communities 
before we were in business because I'm also, you know, I'm an enthusiast about what I do. There's no false pretense about getting involved in because you get found out. We actually went in there because when I finish work, I quite like to go and talk about coffee. So you were at the forums, had a message of how transparent your deals were with the farmers. How did you make the ethical stance so transparent to the people who use the online service? I think a lot, a lot of established businesses have come up with ethical policies and they've kind of tried to tag them onto the side of their current business. Whereas when we actually set up the business, you know, that, that was our number one goal really, that we wanted to be ethical, we wanted to be transparent. And when you start with a base of saying, right, this is what we're going to do, and I don't care, because for the first... 18 months we were struggling you know it was it was tough it was it was hard going because people just didn't get why we'd have a coffee on there that was a little bit more expensive than be going well, well well why is that so surely it's just another coffee bean that's been produced because of the society we live in now that people just look at price whereas what we tried to do was say look it's a little bit more expensive because we rewarded the farmer for producing this great coffee and try it and it's fantastic so the business was actually built around the ethical policy instead of the ethical policy being tagged onto the side so it really is all transparent fair trade making your customer a part of the business i mean i hope so that's certainly what we try to put across you know we don't have any secrets and there's a big movement in america in the coffee industry in america called the third wave and the third wave is all about transparency and what you've said is kind of pretty much what we we want to be part of that third wave that's happening in America, but be the UK equivalent. You know, transparency, working together. I mean, there's roasters in this country who I've worked together with. You know, we've bought, we've imported lots together because we thought it was better for the farmer to do it that way and better for our customers to do it that way because we couldn't afford to do it on our own. So you actually share resources with your competitors. How does that work? Hey, look, this market's huge, and, 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 and it's pretty much the same in any market that people set up a business. Yeah, Markets are huge, and there's enough space for everybody in them. I think what you need to do is kind of just grasp that, hey, if we work together, this is better for everybody. It's better for, for us as competitors that we get on. It's better for the suppliers, and it's better for the end consumer because everybody's getting the right deal then. Would you ever supply a supermarket if they agreed to your ethical stance as a company? I kind of think the way that the company's set up, the way that has been set up, that it just really wouldn't work with those kind of people. Because, let's be honest, you go, you, you, your average supermarket, yeah, it's all about driving the price down, and it's never about the quality. When was the last time you went to the, the, you know, the, the butchery department of your supermarket and thought, oh, that's a really good piece of meat? So really, I think for what we do, it's just, you know, we're not the right people to work with the supermarkets. But I think there are enough kind of large stores out there that aren't supermarkets there are good quality delicatessens and good quality restaurants which is a big bone of contention with me when was the last time you had a good cup of coffee in a restaurant because i've never had one you know it's something that's tagged on the end of a meal and they're the kind of partners that we really want to work together with is to say you know look you're small enough to care about what you're doing and you're big enough to kind of not be too hit up about the price of these things what would you give Advice-wise to someone thinking of either starting importing as a business or selling online. We started small, you know, we started and we didn't have massive aspirations to, you know, that all of a sudden we had to be this big company, you know. Yes, I'm very proud of our roastery now. We've got, you know, two and a half thousand square foot 
roastery here we've got over 60 different origins of coffee we've got three big commercial roasting machines but when we started off we had a little roasting machine we probably had five varieties that I ended up the, the story with that one we went down to the uh, the warehouse where it's all stored in Kent um, with a van and we'd load them in the back of a van because we couldn't afford to have them delivered and we started small you know we started with very small premises uh, and we just as we've done better and made a bit more money then we've invested that back into the company to, to where now you know, things are good you know we've got great premises here we've got some great machines got some fantastic customers so no it's really good I think importing with the importing you've really got to make sure you've got a good partner don't try and do anything yourself because yes you can do all the import certificates and things yourself but it's going to cost you more money in the long run work to your strengths get the people who are good at their job to do their job so the importing is really get somebody who you can trust and who you can work with long term and that's been really important to what we do selling online I think it's about focusing on that website and making sure that you've got content on there you've got things for people to read you've got a reason for them to come back just selling them something isn't enough because you'll sell them something but a week later they've forgotten about you whereas if they you sell them something but then two days later they're reading an article on there and then the day after that they're reading you know your you, you blog posting on there or you've got a, a download on there that's something that they really want then all of a sudden it doesn't seem right to go to Joe Blogs down the road because Joe Blogs doesn't have the same variety is what we have um, but we've, we've created a, a, a loyalty in there because we gave them some information and we didn't say to them you had to buy when we gave them that information we actually shared it with them because we wanted to because I enjoy again talking coffee it's not work to me when I'm typing out an article trying to get across you know that we went to Colombia and this is what we saw and these are the people and here's some photos of the people that we met that's great fun you know it's really good fun to share those things and why I wanted to get into the coffee business in the first place thanks a lot for your time today Steve right Alex I'm off to have a coffee break milk with two sugars for you as normal then I thought it would be brilliant thanks Carl uh, I'll enjoy that and um, great interview uh, I think a, a lot of useful thoughts there in terms of uh, importing and how to go about importing and seeking out the right partners. And uh, Steve's enthusiasm is just just really shines through. And I think uh, lots of people are really passionate about things like coffee. And, and I like to the way they are using online, uh, both in terms of sales, but also to sort of build interest um, through blogs and, and other areas. So um, thanks a lot for that. Now, on to some comments this week. And uh, as far as email comments are concerned, uh, I had an email from um, Simon Wyndham, uh, who is from Five Element Productions, which I think is a, a video production company. Um, they've recently produced a, a, a DVD for small businesses and startups uh, called Small Business Essentials. Um, he likes the show, says thanks very much. Um, I said I'd give him a plug for the DVD, so there you go. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, good to hear you're listening, Simon, and, and stay tuned, spread the word. Um, and James Kenny, you'll remember, I, James said he wrote in and he said he had a rubbish website, but he enjoyed Small Biz Pod, even though he didn't have an entrepreneurial bone in his body. Um, and he says, oh, well, uh, he knows the site's not that bad, but he does need a bit of updating. And he says he thinks his interest as an artist in Small Biz Pod comes from the notion that the job of an artist is often the, the smallest business you can get. But artists, by their very nature, are often not very business savvy. I would include myself in that. So any knowledge I can glean from yourself or your contributors is always useful. Keep up the
the good work. So thanks a lot for that, James. Much appreciated. And uh, I hope you're, you, you sell some art as a result of listening to Small Biz Pod. Also had um, a, an email from Richard Williams uh, from The Natural Energy Company, who says, another new listener, uh, though it's taken me a couple of months to get around to dropping you a line. Um, I spend a fair bit of time on the road and listening to the podcast gives me a refreshing take on small business. I particularly enjoy the slot when you focus on an individual business. Uh, past consultancy work has taught me that the issues we face are the same regardless of the industry or sector. And, you know, I think one thing, one sort of common thread is how, how much, how many common threads there are through the um, interviews that have, that, you know, I've done on Small Biz Pod over the last 12, 18 months. So, yeah, I'd agree with you on that one. Now, uh, the National Small Business Awards sponsored by Orange are uh, imminent. Uh, you have until, I think it's the 21st of July... Is that right? Yes, I think it's the 21st. No, 24th of July is the deadline for entries for the National Business Awards. I'll stick a link up in the, the show notes for anyone who might be interested in entering. Um, it, it's kind of really the one of the UK's leading business awards. And there are various categories, um, uh, including most innovative use of technology, uh, uh, business Innovation of the Year, City and Guild's Employer of the Year, and Corp- CSR, Corporate Social Responsibility Award. Um, so there's a there's a lot of different potential categories for for businesses of all sizes to enter. And it would be wouldn't it be wonderful if somebody who listened to Small Biz Pod won, uh, or even was shortlisted for. Uh, the National Business Awards, that would be cool. So, if you're interested, uh, go to the show notes at www.smallbizpod.co.uk and click on the link there to take you through to find out uh, how to enter and to discover some tips on how to make your entry appealing to the judges. So, that's that. And finally, um, there was one other thing, I think. Ah, yes, I forgot in my last show uh, number small bit odd 28 to mention the kind people who actually commented on the comment section of the blog I'm always saying well you can always comment on the blog and then I, I for- forgot to read them out so uh, firstly uh, I had a, a comment and a very valid comment from um, the very famous if you're in, in podcasting community the very famous comic strip blogger um, he comic strip blogger says says regularity is a key to podcasting success. So please post at least one episode a week, or otherwise your podcast will never be really popular. Once a week at least. Well, CSB, as he's affectionately known, I this is well the first first consecutive weeks, or first two shows in consecutive weeks I've done for a little while. So I am making the effort. I really am. So thanks for the encouragement on that. And I also had a, uh, a comment from uh, Ron McDaniel, who runs Buzzoodle, who just says, uh, nice redesign, Alex, and that's referring to the redesigned Small Pod website. Nice, roomy, and easy to read. Keep up the good work and visit Ohio someday. Well, I'd love to visit Ohio. I, for some reason, I know quite a lot of people in small business bloggers. Ron, um, who's been interviewed on the show, um, I think um, Anita Campbell, uh, is uh, is also from Ohio, as far as I remember. So, yeah, there's a, there's a hardcore of uh, small business bloggers out there. So one of these days, I'll venture over to the States and uh, maybe we can do a small biz pod tour, interview tour or something, I don't know. Okay, so there we are. I'm well on track for a half-hour show. 
Um, if you're interested in how to subscribe to Small Biz Pod, and, and subscription's a funny word, it doesn't mean you have to pass over any information, it's just how to download automatically without having to keep visiting the site. I've put up a couple of screencasts, so if you click on how do I subscribe or go to the podcast FAQ section of the site, you'll find two screencasts, one on how to subscribe to a podcast using iTunes, and one on how to subscribe to a podcast using a podcatcher, which I thought one or two of you might find useful, so check those out. Now, one piece of uh, very sad news is that Electromancer, my absolute favourite online source of Podsafe Music uh, Electronica, is closing down on the 6th of October. Um, Just hasn't taken off for Marv, who runs it in the way that he had hoped, and it's just becoming too expensive for him to run. So very, very sadly, it's going to disappear. But there are still some great tunes there. This is one of them, and it's called Don't Look Back by Crowned Dark Presence. (laughs) 